welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. My name is Caleb. I'll be one of your co-hosts today. Phil, how are we doing? Doing a lot better this week. You know, if you Good. if the listeners remember, I uh, was recovering from food poisoning last week, and that was that was miserable. I don't think I'd wish that on my worst enemy. Well, maybe I'd wish it on my worst enemy, but uh, otherwise, no. Maybe how was CJ Halloween? Stroud. Yeah, yeah, on CJ Stroud. Ugh, no, I wouldn't do that to him. Uh, how was Halloween? It was good. Uh, rained for a few minutes here and there, but yeah. otherwise it was pretty warm, so it was nice, uh, nice night out. Yeah, I appreciate that the rain held off during the trick-or-treating hours. It came early on in the day because I was like, oh, man, Zeke's costume is made out of cardboard. If this doesn't, if this rains, I don't know. Well, I guess I guess or I guess I just walk around with an umbrella. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Do you do a dad tax on candy? Uh, I just see whatever I feel like. I like it. Quinn doesn't Quinn doesn't like all the candy bars yet. So, yeah, that's good. We told our neighbors. You know, our our neighborhood doesn't really do much trick or treating, but we said, "Hey, we want to take Zeke. Can we give you guys candy to give to him?" And they said, "Oh no, no, we got it covered." And so, yeah, nice. uh, I don't. Did you see the pictures I posted on? Was it Facebook or Instagram? Both. Yeah, full size candy bars. Yeah, like XL candy bars for him. I'm like, holy cow, guys! Like, mm-hmm. he's never going to sleep. So, you know, we're enjoying that now. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. We live in a nice community here, so there's plenty of houses we. We probably barely hit like half of them last night. Holy so cow. Once Quinn gets older, so still show have plenty of time to go out and get plenty of candy. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> well, Caleb, we have a lot happening in the world of sports. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. The NFL trade deadline has just passed, and we are currently watching Game Three of the World Series between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Houston Astros. But we have a much more important sport to talk about that had a very big announcement today that we will get to in a little bit. So let's go ahead. Let's jump into news. I want to start by talking about the University of Georgia. Their head coach, Vince Dooley, who won the 1980 National Championship, passed away at the age of 90. And so we do want to send our condolences to the Georgia Bulldog community. Uh, Dooley had a huge impact on the program, and uh, he will definitely leave ripples as uh, as he passes. Yeah, and at least you have to watch one more Georgia championship before he passed away. Yeah. Next one, coming down to Virginia, coming to my state, Hugh Free signs an extension with Liberty through 2030. Uh, it's still under $5 million a season, but for Liberty, I feel like that's pretty good money. Mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze is having a lot of success with this program, but he's also linked to a lot of different jobs whenever they open up. I feel like this was a way to kind of secure him there for at least the next couple years. Yeah, it was a good timing for them. Um, yeah, I think I feel like Hugh Freeze did he get an extension last year or the year before that. So just I think keep, it was last year. Yeah, they just keep tacking on years. And then if a school, say Auburn, uh, wants to <laughs> coach him, then at least Liberty gets probably compensated for that. Well, let's go ahead and use that transition you just said, and, uh, and let's bring up Auburn. They have fired their head coach, Brian Harrison. He's 9-12 and 12 in two seasons. Currently, Auburn is riding a four-game losing streak. What's interesting to me, and, and I heard somebody else say this too, Gus Malzahn never had a losing season for Auburn whenever they let him go, but they fired him because he wasn't a top-four guy uh, consistently. It just kind of goes to show you, 
you got to have somebody better lined up if you're going to let go of your coach. Yeah, Auburn is – I don't know if I'd want to coach at Auburn. They, I, yeah, did, I would not. won the national title. Um, who was the coach before that? He also won a national title, right? So, Chizik? Yeah, Chizik. Or did Malzahn, he just, did he win the national title? He just played for the national title game. I forget. But um, either yeah, way, two – two championship level coaches they get rid of probably because they don't beat Alabama enough. So you, yeah. you get two years. Um, person here didn't even get to face Alabama a second time yet. So mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to coach at Auburn. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody will end up coaching here. There's a short list, you know, there's Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze, Matt Rule, Deion Sanders and Mark Stoops. I heard a lot of conversation this past week linking Dion to Auburn, but I don't know if Dion gives up his gig at Jackson State. Yeah, I think he seems to really enjoy the his time down so there. Too. I think he likes to prop up these HBCUs and try to make them nationally relevant again. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, again, if you're like Stoops or Kiffin, is it really worth it to switch SEC? Content? I see it as a downgrade for those guys. I would. And even if I'm Hugh Freeze, I don't know if I want to make that move. Matt Rule, I understand, but mm-hmm. I think there's, I feel like there's better places for him there too. Like I just don't think Auburn is what it's all hyped up to be. Yeah, like I, if you're Lane Kiffin, like you have to beat Alabama, I think, eventually. But at Auburn, I feel like you got to beat him within the first two years, or he might be gone. Oh, you're done. Yeah, you're toast. Peace mm-hmm. out. See you later. Uh, got. Yeah, so we'll see what ends up happening. You know, in in the meantime, I imagine Auburn to continue to just barely tread water, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see what the coaching carousel gives us here in the next couple months. Want to jump back to Georgia? Forgot about this one. Their edge rusher Nolan Smith, a great athlete, a heavy contributor on the defense, out for the season. Tore his pack. This is a big loss for the Georgia defense. I mean, I know they have depth there, but Nolan Smith is is a leader of that team. Strong defensive player, reads the defense well, makes or sorry, reads the offense well, and and makes plays. So this is a big loss for Georgia, Caleb. Yeah, he was one of only like two of the national championship defenders that returned for this season. The rest basically were all drafted in the first round last year. So Nolan Smith, obviously, like you said, a big part. So big loss here for Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I followed Nolan Smith from whenever I used to play, uh, well, in, in one of my long-lasting franchise modes in Madden, I drafted Nolan Smith. This was back before, I think, maybe Nolan Smith was like a freshman in college at the time, mm-hmm. and he had a Hall of Fame career with the Pittsburgh Steelers with me, so I like following him in the pros now, or following him in college and uh, Josh Uche in the in the pros now, so bummed to see Nolan Smith is, is done. Uh, what's not done is the Big 12 and ESPN and Fox. The Big 12 renews their media rights with ESPN and Fox through the 2030-31 season. This is a big get for ESPN and Fox, who been having, a, I don't want to say they've been having trouble, but I, I, I guess that'd be a fair way to say it. they've been having some problems with TV rights and media rights recently with other mm-hmm. conferences. Yeah, this is probably big for the Big 12. Like we know, uh, Big 10 is leaving ESPN, so mm-hmm. Big 12 will probably get some more premier matchups on the ESPN time slots, which uh, whatever the SEC doesn't take up, the Big 12 will get second pickings there. Yep. And then Oregon State is now ranked for the first time since 2013. So go Oregon State, go Beavers. Uh, Rutgers is the only team that has a longer drought. And, I mean, with Shiano there, I, I just I can't help but wonder – 
how much longer until Rutgers is in the ranks conversation. Yeah, this is the third time this year we've seen a very long-suffering new college get ranked for the first time in about a decade or even more in some of these cases. So cool to see this year. Yeah. All right. And now one last bit of news before we jump in to the games. You know, Caleb, we are recording this, and I said there is big news in college football tonight, and that is related to playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? Yeah, we're talking about playoffs, Caleb. We have the first playoff rankings unveiled. We have our top four. Number four coming in is Clemson. Three is Georgia. Two, Ohio State. Number one, and I'm glad they chose this one. I think they got, I got, they got this one totally right, Tennessee. First mm-hmm. two out, number five, Michigan. Number six, Bama. Caleb, where'd they get the top six wrong? Yeah, this is, I put out a tweet beforehand predicting my top four. I picked Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and then I put TCU number four. I thought Mm -hmm. they'd give a little credit to TCU for winning all these, you know, pretty tough matchups, but maybe they discredited it because as we mentioned last week, there was a lot of backup quarterbacks involved there. Mm -hmm. Now Oklahoma's not quite as good, those kind of things. So they went with Clemson, the ACC. They have a lot of ACC teams ranked and Clemson's already beat basically all of them. So that's probably why Clemson's there at number four, not TCU. I did correctly pick that Alabama would be ahead of one of the undefeated teams that happens to be TCU (laughs) in this case. Yeah, I mean, I was... I don't really see Clemson as a top four team in the country. Definitely top 10, mm-hmm. definitely top 10, but top four, man, the past, the past week has just given me time for pause. The last couple of weeks, I guess, have given me time for pause with, with the Tigers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they'd uh, be in Wake Forest, which is ranked in the top 25, NC yeah. State's in the top 25. Um, they might have one more. I, yeah in there so i guess that's why yeah they kind of been I, there i guess i probably would have flipped clemson and michigan here mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah michigan had a pretty dreadful non-conference schedule you know colorado or colorado state one of those teams that only has one win on the season yeah uh, was a yukon so it's uh not great mm-hmm. i guess the phillies are doing something good yeah i i see bryce hop harper's up the bad guy on first so because I'm like 20 seconds behind. Oh, man, he slugged that one deep to right field. Holy cow. What a way to start off the game. Nice. Like uh-huh. Yeah. So, Caleb, are you rooting for the Phillies in the series? We can get a little pause from that. Yeah, of course. Uh, no one – I don't know how many teams root for the cheating Astros anymore. Yeah, I'll be honest. I pretty much stopped watching baseball after – Houston got away with cheating, so this could uh, this could change things. I could get back into baseball again. Nice. We'll see. All right. Um, so as we get back to the playoffs, and we continue to hear the celebration going on downstairs in the Hufford household, one thing that really made me scratch my head was LSU in the top ten. Yeah, we kind of um, we talked about them the first week. They had yeah. that heartbreaking last second loss on a blocked extra point to Florida State, and we're like, up. Oh, Tough start to the Brian Kelly area, you know. We'll see an extra LSU, and they have rebounded a little bit. They beat Ole Miss. That's Ole Miss's only loss. They're ahead of Ole Miss in the rankings, even though LSU has two losses. But they have they got Alabama this week, so I guess we'll get to see if they that proves the the committee right that they should be a top ten team or not. I guess so, but hey, you know, before we get to next week, we've got to look at the week ahead, uh, behind us. So let's go ahead and rewind. 
Yep, that's right. The week nine review, we will start with number three, Tennessee, playing number 19, Kentucky. And it was not really a game. Tennessee won 44 to six. And you can just look at the quarterback stats to see why. Hendon Hooker, three touchdowns. Will Levis, three interceptions, less than 100 yards passing in this game. Yeah, I mean, people keep talking about Will Levis as like a potential number one overall draft pick. I, I got to think that conversation ends now. I'm curious, though, Caleb, as we start to move throughout the season, for me, Hendon Hooker's my Heisman favorite. I think he's mm-hmm. an electrifying player. He consistently plays at a high level against the big teams. Is Hendon Hooker a system quarterback, or do you think this can translate into him playing on Sundays too? It's tough. Hendon Hooker, I believe, is also 25, just like our beloved Sean Clifford. So mm-hmm. it's like what you would want to see a 25-year-old quarterback to continue to get better and better as he plays younger and younger competition. So uh, that's obviously going to be used as a strike against him, I think, when it comes to draft time. But you like to see people get better, and he uh, clearly has. So I'm sure oh, some Sean team, Clifford. Yep. So I'm sure we'll see a team take a chance on him in the first round. But you wouldn't be surprised if he's also – you know, just a middling quarterback and the team that drafts him is picking another first round quarterback in three to four years. Yeah, we'll see. Next up, we got number 22, Kansas State in the shocker of the weekend, I think, beating mm-hmm. number nine, Oklahoma State, 48 to zero. That's right. Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State scored zero points in this game. Will Howard, the backup quarterback for Kansas State, played great four touchdown passes. Deuce Vaughn, one of the best running backs in the country, 158 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And this was the worst loss of the Mike Gundy era. Yeah, it was insane. I, I remember looking at the score and thinking, how is that possible? Spencer Sanders in this offense is usually clicking, clearly not in this game. And Will Howard was was easily the most impressive player in this game to me, coming off the bench, playing as well as he did. I didn't expect him to basically look like Adrian Martinez 2.0 for this Wildcats offense. No, definitely not. But yeah, like I said, impressive performance. Kansas State deserves to shoot up the rankings like they did this week. Yes. And yeah. That's got to be the nail in the coffin for Oklahoma State and their playoff chances this year. Yep. Louisville upsets number 10, Wake Forest, 48-21. And this was a brutal second half for Wake Forest. Um, I forget if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but we talked about it at least offline when Miami had eight turnovers a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Wake Forest went up to them. They had eight turnovers in the second half, six of them by Hartman, three picks, three fumbles. And two of those were pick sixes as Louisville won the third quarter, 35 to nothing and put this game away. Yeah, it crushes me that Sam Hartman had such a bad game, especially against Malik Cunningham, who for a couple of seasons was so hyped up with the Louisville Cardinals. But, you know, uh, I clearly has, has fallen off, but he outdueled and outplayed Sam Hartman here, made a lot of who made a lot of really bad decisions. Those two pick sixes are, are just inexcusable. So, you know, they got to go back to the drawing board. We'll see what happens next. Yeah, Louisville's a confusing team. They have some bad losses this year. It's now they have a great win. They are going right to end up right around 6-6 six and six probably. But um, they, they're a team that if they play to their full potential every year, they could probably be a 10-win team. Probably. Every week, I should say. Not every year. Every week. Yeah. Next up, Notre Dame upsets number 16, Syracuse, 41-24. It was behind the rushing attack as Drew Pine has kind of leveled off in the past few weeks. Mm -hmm. The rushing attack came up 246 yards rushing to only 61 for Syracuse. This one was over pretty quick. I think Notre Dame had a pick six early in the first quarter. Syracuse tried to fight back, but it was too much, the fighting Irish. 
Yeah, I wasn't super sold on the Marcus Freeman offensive experience, and I'm still not whenever it comes to passing as much as I felt like they were doing earlier in the year. I think they did a good job going with the ground game here, relying on your front line, on those heavy, on those big boy recruits, and, and they served them well there. It's a shame for Syracuse. They were a fun story at the start of the season, but they are really tapering off. Yeah, hopefully they are already bowl eligible at least, but hopefully they don't yeah. pull a Kansas and just lose out the rest of the year as it looks like Kansas is doing at this point. Yeah, I hope not either. I know Syracuse lost, I think Williams is the cornerback's last name. They lost okay. him for the season, so. Mm, tough one. Yeah, that's a big loss for them. Yep. Very important AAC matchup, US UCF upsetting number 20, Cincinnati 25-21, and RJ Harvey, the running back for UCF, go-ahead game-winning touchdown with 48 seconds left in the game. That was his second touchdown of the game here, and now UCF is probably the front-runner to win the AAC, and along with Tulane, they're probably the two top teams for the Group of Five uh, New Year's Six Bowl bid right now. Yeah, UCF was a lot of fun to watch. They were they were going vertical. They were throwing the ball deep, running the ball well. Yep, speaking of gas miles on. Team. Yeah, they were clearly the better team than Cincinnati, which shocked me because of how well Luke Fickle coaches this team. And this was just a case where UCF came and they were better prepared. They had their mm-hmm. number. Yeah, Cincinnati had been kind of flirting with disaster the past few weeks, beating sure. some lesser teams, you know, barely like SMU, I think. And then when you play a better team like UCF is, that's it's going to bite you in the butt when you keep letting them hang around like that. Yep. Finally, we got Missouri upsetting number 25, South Carolina 23 to 10. I don't think we were too sold. We were like really South Carolina being ranked and then Spencer Rattler goes out and puts up a goose basically. Yeah, I mean, Spencer Rattler, I saw one bowl projection where Penn State would be playing South Carolina. I'm like, good, I would love to play Spencer Rattler. He is he is just miserable for South Carolina. They have a lot of stuff that they need to sort out at that for that team. And it's a shame because I think that South Carolina has a lot of parts, but they are lacking at the wide receiver skill position. They're lacking at quarterback, and without those two positions, it makes it really hard to be successful in the college game. Yeah, that's it. The fan base is definitely excited. I think rightfully so for Shane Beamer. I think it's his second year now with South Carolina. So I think if he can find that quarterback, they will be a successful team in the SEC, but not quite this season. Although they they did have a good run the past month before this game. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Moving on to the Big Ten, we got number four, Michigan beating Michigan State 29-7. Another good game for Blake Corum, 177 yards and a touchdown. And maybe now Jim Harbaugh will have to really look at that single tunnel entrance slash exit at the Big House. Yeah, Yeah, did you watch that go down? Yeah, it was uh, not a good look for the Michigan State Spartans. No, those players, I mean, what a piece of crap decision by, by those players. Just absolutely trashy. Uh, for those that haven't seen the the scuffle, I mean, really, it was it was a gang up yep. on a Michigan player. Eight Michigan State players were just kind of like like shoving the kid, beating him up, if you would, and rightfully so. Eight players have been suspended. I think those eight players should be removed from the team if Mel Tucker knows, you know, has has any sense of integrity mm-hmm. behind this program. Police are involved in the investigation, and usually I'm like, you know, like it's sports or whatever. Not in this case. I I do think police investigation is not unreasonable here. Yep. It is. I I do find it a little ironic after he kind of brushed off James Franklin's quotes about it being a little, you know, 
not a smart decision that Michigan only has one tunnel for both teams yeah. on the entrance. And then a week later, this kind of thing happens. Yeah, not a great look. Mm-hmm. Next up, number 17, Illinois beats Nebraska 26 to 9. And another good running back in the Big Ten, Chase Brown, led the way 149 yards on 32 carries and a touchdown for him. I like Chase Brown a lot. Mm-hmm. He hits holes well. He can get he can get to the outside and he has the speed to move down the field and make the cuts he needs to to you know get that extra two, three yards. Falls forward. He is, you know, if if you look up a cliche definition of a power back that has some speed to him, that's what Chase Brown feels like to me. He reminds me a lot of Minnesota's Muhammad Ibrahim. Yep. Speaking of him, they beat Minnesota and Muhammad Ibrahim shutout records 31 nothing. 35 carries on this one for Ibrahim, 159 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Big 10 might be the year of the running back at the Big 10 conference. Yeah. And, you know, they got back to business after getting blown out by Penn State. They cleaned some things up and took down the Scarlet Knights pretty easily. Yeah. Maybe that offensive coordinator change isn't quite working out for records this year. Maybe. I was surprised Sharaka was able to score that many points, though, mm-hmm. with Minnesota. Speaking and finally, we got Iowa beating Northwestern 33-13. to That's right. Iowa somehow scored 33 points in this game. It wasn't, you know, late touchdowns. I don't think there are any defensive touchdowns in this one. These are all offensive touchdowns and a bunch of field goals as well, obviously. But uh, I guess Northwestern is a get-right game here for Iowa. I guess so. I mean, Northwestern... I, I feel like we've said it all about them. They're just a really bad team this season in the Big Ten. And so if you want to you know, look good for recruits, just make sure they visit during the Northwestern game. Yeah, I don't. I, I've seen some talk. I don't think Pat Fitzgerald's going to get fired or anything, but maybe no. he needs to do a little bit of new new coordinators, new staff on the team to help modernize that team a little bit maybe. Yeah, I mean, Northwestern, I think – I think they're are they the smallest school in the Big Ten? Yeah, I believe so. That's what I thought too. So they gotta find a way to get recruits there. I think the new stadium and the new facilities will help. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they gotta do something. Yep. Let's move on. All to right, Penn Kale. State. Let's talk Penn State. And so let's uh <laughs> Let's talk about this game. This game was the fourth most watched game of college football this season. You can understand why you had two top, top 10, top 15, no, it's top 15 teams playing in this game as Penn State played against Ohio State and for three and a half quarters looked awesome. Mm -hmm. Looked like there was an upset the likes of 2016 and then it got thrown away as Penn State ends up losing this game 44 to 31. And Caleb, isn't that just the story of Ohio State Penn State matchups for us? Yep. I mean, usually they're by one point. They were those crucial, heartbreaking one point losses. So at least at least we knew a couple minutes earlier that Penn State wasn't going to win this one, but still tough loss when when we scored to go up 21 6. I'm like, man, are we really going to do this finally again? But no. Nope. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Kelp, I think you and I both knew that we were going to lose this game because of who was quarterback in this game. You know, mm-hmm. it comes down to Sean Clifford. And I think finally, 
Caleb, like Penn State Twitter is catching on. There's there's two camps of people on Penn State Twitter. And if you listen to the podcast, like like you know, you you probably interact with them. Mm-hmm. There are those who say like Clifford is trash and always root against him. There are those that say like Clifford is great and should totally be like starting. I personally love the mindset that I don't think Clifford's a good quarterback, but I hope he does well. Yeah. He did not do well in this game. You know, he had a really good second and third quarter. Looked fine. But first quarter, he had those two interceptions that that really hampered the start of our offense. Fourth quarter, he fumbles. He threw a pick six. You know, if you look at the number of turnovers and you look at the number of points that Ohio State got off those turnovers, this probably is a different game if Clifford isn't turning the ball over every you know so many times. Yeah, the first one, Penn State held forced the field goal that Ohio State mm-hmm. missed. Second one, Ohio State scored. And then obviously a pick six, you score on that one. Fumbles, yeah, 21 points off turnovers, I believe. And Penn State loses by 13 points, you know? Yeah. Easy math. And and honestly, I did not expect the defense to look as good as they did. The 44 points that Ohio State has does yeah. not speak to how well the defense played. Yep. The 16 Especially points. Especially how short... The 16 points midway through the fourth quarter speaks to how well the the defense played. Exactly. You know, the and the short field all game, what can you do? Sean Clifford broke Trace McSorley's touchdown pass record, and I really frust- – it's so lame, Kale, but it kind of frustrates me that he's breaking all these records now. Yeah, because he's playing because, like, like 50% more games than everyone else. Exactly. It's like Trace McSorley, if you were to ask me who the best quarterback in the since Kerry Collins has been for Penn State, I would say easily Trace McSorley. Mm-hmm. Um, after him, I would say Daryl Clark and then probably Michael Robinson. But, you know, I would I would put Sean Clifford with Anthony Morelli toward the bottom, where he belongs. So the fact that he's getting all these records because he's played for a thousand years is just kind of a... Hey, you're like a, Christian a Hackensack. Oh, don't say it. <laughs> uh, you know, and what... I've been surprised with, or what really stood out to me was that unlike the other games where it ends and Franklin's like, you know, Sean's our guy and just like praising, praising and trying to build his confidence. I did not get that vibe at the end of this game. And I haven't gotten the vibe since this game. Yeah. He, he blamed Clifford. He said the turnovers were the difference and Sean Clifford had all four turnovers in this game and his press conference today, the Tuesday press conference, he didn't exactly name Sean Clifford the starter. He kind of left it open. I'm expecting Sean Clifford to be the starter this week, but I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if it's more close to maybe a 50, 50, 60, 40 kind of split with him and Drew Aller in this game coming up. Yeah. I mean, I, what is the benefit of starting Clifford, especially like I, uh, now that, now that we've gotten the gauntlet over with, mm-hmm. we should run the table the rest of the season. What is the benefit of keeping Clifford in versus putting Aller in? Yeah, I mean, obviously the goal now is the New Year's Six Bowl. And if you go 10-2, and you got a pretty good chance of getting into that New Year's Six Bowl. But like you said, I think with Drew Aller, I think we can do that. Yeah. There's no reason Sean Clifford should be the starting quarterback for Penn State right now. I just, I don't see it. Um, One group, a a unit, another one. It makes me so mad, Kill, because so many parts of this team played well. Mm Mm-hmm. 
It's just the quarterback position, which we have been critical of on this podcast all season, that a lot of people have been critical of, lost this game. If you look at our running backs, I thought the running backs played great. Katron Allen, 12 touches, 76 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he also had a receiving touchdown in the game. Nick Singleton, 14 carries, 45 yards. Both those guys, I thought, looked really good in the game. Yeah, it seemed like they were on the precipice of breaking one loose. Allen had a couple of the longer mm-hmm. runs. Singleton, not quite. So hopefully he can figure that out and break one or two in these in these next few weeks per game. But um, it's also with Kevon Lee. Franklin said he's been hurt, so unable to play or very limited in these past five weeks. So he's hoping to get Kevon Lee back and play a little bit more uh, the final month of the season. Yeah. In the receiving group, receivers looked fantastic. We had some really great play by the tight ends, you know, looking good out there doing different things. But, Caleb, can we really speak about this game without speaking about the great Parker Washington? I mean, this guy, all season, all season we've been saying, why is he not getting more involved? Why is he not being put in positions to make big plays? They put him in positions, and he showed why he is so clutch, why he is a leader on that offense, and why, like, if I am thinking about, like, hmm, how do I want to move the ball down the field? I'm not looking at Mitchell Tensley. I'm looking for Parker Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in a game with, we've talked extensively about Ohio State's wide receivers, and Smith and Jigba did not play in this game, but Marvin Harrison, he was great, 10 catches, well over 100 yards in this game. But when when you're in a game against Ohio State and Parker Washington has a case to be the best receiver in the game, that's how impressive he was in this one. Yeah, and you know it's not like Ohio State has a bunch of like two-star corner recruits. These are four or five-star guys, you know, mm-hmm. but like all of – we talk about how great Joey Porter Jr. is because he is. That – Ohio State has a lot of players that are pretty close to his talent all over the backfield. So, yep. Because that uh, Lambert Smith had a nice touchdown grab. I liked seeing him get a little involved there and not dropping passes like Daniel George. So that was good. We had 11 different players with receptions in this game. Uh, I, I will to, say I – w- I have to ask a question about this. I saw on the list yeah. Sean Clifford was one of the players. Did he catch a pass from himself? Yeah, he threw the ball. It got batted down by the defensive line and went back into his hands as okay. only it would – for a six foot something quarterback. I think Clifford had like two or three passes batted down, mm-hmm. which was frustrating to watch. I do want to say though, like in this game, Brenton strange got an unsportsmanlike penalty for smacking an Ohio state player in the back of the head. Franklin only pulled him out for a play that kind of made me upset. I would have personally. And you know, like I'm saying this as like a couch potato coach, I would have pulled Brenton strange for the game. I, I just don't think that's classy. Get him out of there. Yeah, fair enough. But, uh, you know, Strange, receiving-wise, looked pretty good. Warren looked great. Johnson looked great. Just, again, we need a quarterback that can put them in positions to win the game more frequently. Mm -hmm. Offensive line, I fully expected to look like a wet paper bag. They did not. Offensive line looked good. Allowed three sacks, but I'm going to go ahead and say – if memory serves me correct, at least two of those I'd put more on Clifford than I would on the line. We had 3.4 rushes or yards per rush, which is pretty comparable to what Ohio State had on their side of the ball. 
Yeah, I think they're one up, but it was, yeah, after that 40-yard run by uh, Henderson late in the game. Before that, it was way, way down there. Yeah, so, you know, offensive line looked good, and we did that with a couple guys that were hurt. Caden Wallace didn't end up playing, so uh, we had Bryce Effner played every snap in his place. Alufashanu left injured. Looking like he won't play this week is the last that I have seen or heard from Franklin and others which is a bummer because Fashanu was really having his way as the left tackle in this game, looking like a stud on the offensive line. Yeah. I didn't realize he's only 19 years old. And I think isn't he like I didn't a, either. Isn't he a junior though? I think he graduated high school early. So yeah, he could be in the draft this year as a 19, maybe he'll be turned 20 by the time the draft comes around, but still very young. Maybe, but I mean, he's, he's playing really well. I like him a lot. I just, again, the line looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for this team, there was a monster with Ohio State, and that was defensive lineman JT Tuomaloa. I, I couldn't yeah. hear how they were pronouncing his name, Kale. Mm-hmm. Did you catch it? Yeah, that sounds right. That's what I was going to go with. Tuomaloa. So because he had the fortune of going up against Sean Clifford as quarterback, he had himself a career day. Two sacks, three tackles for loss, six tackles Two interceptions, including a pick six. Remember, this is a defensive lineman. Yeah. A forced fumble, a fumble recovery, a pass breakup that led to another interception. And Caleb, I want to say he was the defensive lineman that might have smacked that pass back to Clifford. Oh, well. Yeah. If I remember last year, I'm pretty sure Tommy Togiai, another defensive lineman, had a great game against Penn State. So. We just, these interior defensive linemen, I guess, just wreck Penn State for right now from Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he's a scary dude. You know, he's, he plays, I mean, like, I had not heard of him before this game. Had you? No, but um, sounds like it wasn't too big of a surprise if you look at, like, the draft Twitter kind of thing that he was, ex- people were expecting him to have a breakout game at some point this year. And it, of course, happened to be against Sean Clifford and Penn State. Yeah. Played really well. Um, our offense outgained Ohio State by, I think, 30 yards, right? It was like, what, 482 yeah. to 452 or something like that? Yeah, when we were, when I think when it was 21-16, it was a 100-yard outgain, and then the turnovers kind of let Ohio State back into the yardage game as well. Yeah, you can't turn the ball over and expect to win the game like that, so we have uh, a lot of work to do. Now let's look at the defense. Like I said, the defense played great in this game as well. I was very happy with, with how they looked. Ohio State, 3.8 yards per carry. But Caleb, as you pointed out, throughout three quarters, it was a lot lower. Like, Henderson wasn't super scary. Mayan Williams, is it Williamson or Williams? Williams. Yeah, so Mayan Williams, another running back for Ohio State, one of their home run hitters. He went out early injured, but even before he left injured, didn't look that great. Nope. So, like, we played him well. We played him clean on the defensive line. Uh, for linebackers, we had Carter with a sack. Defensive backs, Dixon had a sack there as well. Joey Porter Jr. did a great job in coverage. You know, Caleb, you had talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. with 10 receptions for 185 yards. I was paying close attention whenever he was catching passes. Most of the time, it was Dixon or Hardy yep, or I King think, in yeah, coverage. King, it, was yep. not, it was not Joey Porter Jr. If, if I'm a pro scout... That right there is enough for me to go back and tell the GM, hey, you take this guy like top top six, seven. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've already seen, again, on draft Twitter, Marvin Harrison, they said if he was eligible this year, he's only a sophomore, true sophomore, so he's not eligible. He would be the number one wide receiver this year over guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba. So he is quite a talent, no surprise, following his dad, of course. Yeah, and, you know, the defense was doing a good job keeping C.J. Stroud in check. C.J. Stroud, has he almost lost his streak of throwing a touchdown pass in every game in his college career. But, you know, with how short the fields were, with how many times they were turning the ball over, Stroud eventually got his touchdown pass. That being said, with how much our defense was on the field, like, I, I don't know what else to say about him, Caleb. They looked really good. Yes, and for context, Stroud is averaging four touchdown passes per game this year, and he's not playing the whole game in a lot of these games. He has multiple five-touchdown pass games this year. He did have, what, I think 350 yards or so passing, so it's not like he was a bum in this game. He still was very good, and it's still why he's probably the number two on the Heisman ballot right now. But you had to hold him to one touchdown pass, I'd say. Overall, great job by the secondary in this game. Yeah. And Caleb, one of the major places where teams will usually win games is with special teams. Borneo Moore didn't have his greatest day punting, but I mean, we didn't lose this game because of punting. Nope. Uh, 44.7 yard average, not terrible. It's better than the Pittsburgh Steelers punter is currently punting, Presley Harvin. Uh, kicked his second touchback of the season as well. But I want to look at Jake Penninger again, Caleb. Yeah, if you look at a stat line, it looks good. Four for four in extra points. One for one yeah. on field goals. It was even a 40-plus yard field goal. But? He missed two other kicks that did not count. Were they both because of penalties? Uh, yeah, they were both be- They were both due to penalties. The first, so just to, to set the table for, for people here, folks, he goes to kick a field goal. That is a pretty easy chip shot. Goes to kick. And it gets stopped on a, I think it was a false start. Backed up five yards. But, you know, thankfully, after that kick went through, it was wide right. Goes to kick again. Misses. An illegal, was it an illegal procedure by the defense? Moves it up to fourth and one. So thankfully, yeah. So thankfully, Franklin makes the wise decision to go for it. Caleb. You know, earlier in the game, some people were killing Franklin for going for it on like fourth and two whenever they're like, oh, they should just take the points. Those are not guaranteed points. Yeah, exactly. If Jake Pinnaker is your kicker, you're not going to you're not. This is not an automatic. This is not like a sophomore, junior, senior season of Sam Ficken. This is not a what's his name? Joe Kelly kick. This is Jake Pinnaker who will miss lots and lots of kicks easy kicks and i don't i just don't understand why he's still out to to go out and, and kick these yep yeah that was our only fourth down stop of the game we were three for three otherwise so we were doing well on third down conversion six for 16 on third down sorry three for four on fourth down six for 16 on third down in this game so not great on third down but make up for a little bit on fourth down with those 75 percent complete percentage there yeah uh, with this loss, James Franklin now drops to one and ten all time against top five teams. Yeah, it's you know, not I've great. Top five, like it's it is tough to be top five teams. So I'm not gonna. Well, what do you kind of top five and lost these games too? Yeah, that's it's true. I mean, like we've been number two and lost to number five or, mm-hmm. or stuff like. I don't know. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but. You know, there there's a ceiling with Franklin, and mm-hmm. is he hitting that ceiling? 
I think so. What do you think? Um, yeah, it's, I've talked, I don't forget if I've said it on here before. It's like, we're going to have the new 12 team playoff here soon. And if that's your goal, I think Franklin can get you to that goal. Yes. But, and then, so I guess that's what's the, what does the administration want after that? Is it, if we get to the 12 team playoff, I'm guessing most of the time we're going to be playing in that first round. We're not going to get the bye. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to probably be on the road. I'm guessing we're going to be, you know, more in that 10 to 12 range. And then if you get blown out by Alabama or, you know, Tennessee or whoever the second or third SEC team is, that's not going to be really fun. So if you, if you have that happen two, three years in a row, then is really making the playoff really that, great of an accomplishment if you're just going to kind of blow it out every single time and you know who knows what's going to happen maybe we can win in the playoffs we'll see how that happens in the future but i guess that's what the administration has to decide as we approach this 12 team playoff in the near future yeah and you know like we keep saying or you know who is better who could you get instead i'm not i'm not calling for james franklin to get fired right now he frustrates the daylights out of me i do not think he is the guy uh, necessarily but for right now, like unless you're getting Matt Rule, who used to play linebacker for Penn State, to come in as your coach, I don't really know too many people that are going to be much better. Mm-hmm. Which is frustrating, considering the level of talent that we keep bringing in. But we'll see. Like, like I want teams to start strong. I want this team to be able to start strong and then play four quarters of football, not three and a half and then fall apart. Yep, agreed. So now we look ahead to this weekend. It is uh, Penn State playing at Indiana. It's a 3.30 game on ABC. Caleb, it's been driving me a little bit crazy with how late they are announcing game times this season. Like, it, Am I like just forgetting? But I feel like game times used to be a little bit more solidified. Yeah, I feel like it's usually like about a week and a half in advance. But yeah, this one wasn't announced until Saturday or Sunday. I think I, I understand a little later in the season. You want to make sure that biggest games or on the biggest networks at the best times, those kind of things. But yeah. Penn state, Indiana is not some world beater of a game either. Well, it's like, you know, I got tickets to the Maryland game with, with my father-in-law. And it's like, you really mm-hmm. can't just like announce that this is a noon or three thirty game. Like nobody's coming to this game at night. Yep. I'm like, or it's not going to be a night game. Anyway, we're at Indiana. Penn state's 23 and two versus Indiana won 24 to nothing last year. And as we look ahead, we are, Number 16 in the AP, 16 in the coaches. But as of the playoff rankings that came out today, we are number 15 in the playoff rankings. So should be a good game for the Nittany Lions, Caleb. Yeah, I, I predicted Penn State would be a, a little bit higher in the college football playoff rankings, just one spot higher, but they mm-hmm. so that did per, bear out to be true. I think just their strength of schedule so far. You've already played Ohio State and Michigan, two top five teams. Auburn not having a great year, but still you went on the road and played an SEC team. So that's kudos to them as well for that. So there feels like the their easier part of the conference schedule is coming up. So like maybe that they won't quite get as much uh, cachet for the strength of schedule as we move on. But for the first rankings, that makes sense that they're getting a little bit of a benefit of the doubt from that. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to who you got. Let's do it. Not a great week for us. You went five and four last week. I went four and five. So I have a narrow one point lead, 49 to 48 on the season. We were hovering around 60% on the season. So not our, not our best season. Hopefully we can pick it up here the last month. I will say I looked though at where we were last year. 
I think we were at like 63, 62% last year. So. Okay. All right. So let's pick that up. Get to get it back to that 63%. Yeah, there we go. So we'll start out with Western Kentucky as a 16 point road favorite at Charlotte. They are four and one all time against Charlotte. That is Western Kentucky. Tough loss for them last week against North Texas. Hopefully they can rebound here. Phil, who you got? Yeah. And I think they will rebound, you know, Charlotte fired their coach. Western Kentucky has some consistency there. Reads a talented quarterback, so I expect the Hilltoppers. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, that was a tough loss for them. Puts them kind of in the backseat a little bit for making the conference championship game. So I feel like they kind of need to run the table. They want any shot of making it back to the conference championship game this year, having already lost to the top two teams in North Texas and UTSAs. But I'll take the Hilltoppers in this one. I like it. Next one, we got the top five matchup, and it's not even the playoffs. We have number one, Tennessee, at number three, Georgia. Georgia is a nine-point home favorite. They were both ranked one and two in the AP, and it's the first AP number one versus number two matchup in the regular season since the 2019 LSU team played Alabama in what was a really fun game. Mm-hmm. Caleb, in this matchup, who you got? Yeah, that was one of the classics. 46-41 final LSU pulled out victorious as they had one of the greatest seasons of all time. And maybe this is Tennessee's magical season. I don't know if they quite have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson on their team, but they've got some very talented players on offense. And I think they're going to pull the upset. Georgia has been kind of like we said with some other teams. They've been flirting with it a little bit. Missouri, they didn't have a great game against them. Um, this one is at home for Georgia, so that's the only reason I think I'd go with Georgia here, but I'm going to pick Tennessee in the upset. Phil, who you got? Yeah, I mean, Georgia just looks a little, they look different. They do not look as dominant this season. The defense seems to be like a hair slower. Nolan Smith is out now, and with how well Hendon Hooker is playing, I, I'm i not picking against the Volunteers, so I got I got Tennessee in this matchup. Did you see Brock Bowers had a pretty cool catch last weekend? So. That, that catch was awesome. I will give credit to that. It was like, how many times did that ball tip itself in the air before he, he mm-hmm. came down with it? <laughs> Staying in the SEC, another top 10 matchup by the college football playoff rankings. Number six, Alabama at number 10, LSU. Alabama, 12-point favorite, and they have won 10 of 11 against LSU. The only loss, obviously, being that 2019 matchup. Phil, who you got? I don't think Nick Saban is allowed to lose more than one game in the regular season, so I, I'm picking Bama. Uh, I think Bryce Young is a is a talented player. Jameer Gibbs is going to run the ball all over LSU. I think Brian Kelly is doing some good work with LSU, Jackson Dart, and company, but I just don't know if they're there yet. So I got the Crimson Tide. Caleb, who you got? Night game in LSU's version of Death Valley. I think... I don't know. Maybe I'm playing off of LSU playing well these last couple weeks. I think LSU is going to pull it off. I think just playing on the road this season has seemed to be extra difficult. It's always difficult. It feels like it's taken an extra step this year. I will take LSU in the upset. Yeah, I like that one. Um, Next matchup we got here, Caleb, another top 25 matchup. We got number 21, Wake Forest, three-point favorite at number number 22, NC State. This is the 116th all-time meeting. The first time they met was in 1895. 1895, Caleb. Do you know who was president then? Um, feels like it should be... Uh, we went over 1893. Was that Hoover? This is Grover Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You know the interesting thing about Grover Cleveland? He was elected president, lost... Uh, he So he served a term, lost, and then ran again ran again he is the only president to serve non-consecutive terms as president so fun fact 
You know, a little fun fact for you there. Uh, Caleb, in this matchup, you know, whenever they played in 1895, it was a 4-4 four to four tie. How do you like that? Yeah. I think back then, touchdowns might have been worth four points. There might have been one touchdown uh, okay. to one touchdown, not four safeties. Well, they're worth six now. Yeah. Caleb, who you got? Um, I think Sam Hartman and Wake Forest are going to bounce back. I think they're going to rub off that eight turnover performance, and they'll come back here and beat NC State without Devin Leary at quarterback. Phil, who you got? Yeah, I can't imagine Sam Hartman having two incredibly awful games in a row. Sam Hartman's too good. Give me Wake Forest. Staying in the ACC, at least for one of these teams, number four, Clemson, three-and-a-half-point road favorite at Notre Dame. Clemson, four-and-two all-time against Notre Dame. As Notre Dame is kind of like a quasi-ACC team right there, ACC in every other sport but football. Phil, who you got? This feels like a game that Notre Dame could win. Mm-hmm especially if DJ Uyunglele comes out and plays like he did last week. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Clemson can come in and take care of business. I think their defense is better than Notre Dame's offense by a lot. And that's the selling point for me. You got to score points. I don't think Notre Dame's going to be able to do it. Give me Clemson. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, Clemson's coming off a bye. Notre Dame coming off an upset win. So I think that's plenty of motivation for Dabo Sweeney to give Clemson and this team to be like, hey, better watch out. This Notre Dame may, Notre Dame may not be ranked, may not be that great 2020 season when they played twice, I believe, right? In that mm-hmm. season when Notre Dame was an ACC member for that season only. So no overlooking Notre Dame this year, even though they're struggling a little bit. I'll take Clemson. I like it. Up next, number 18, Oklahoma State, a four-point favorite at Kansas. Oklahoma State has won 12 in a row against Kansas. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, obviously we know this is a different Kansas team than it has been for the past decade plus, but again, they just have not been the same team with being at quarterback. Daniels was clearly the engine that propelled Kansas to that great 5-0 start. I hope Kansas wins it again at some point so they get to bowl eligibility, but I don't think it'll be this weekend. I'll take the Cowboys. Phil, who you got? For the foreseeable future, I just can't see Kansas winning games, so I got Oklahoma State. They're going to get things in order. I expect Spencer Sanders and company to put up a lot of points to make up for how pitiful they played last week. Moving out west, we got number 23, Oregon State, three-and-a-half-point road favorite at Washington. Washington, 67-35-4 and four all-time against Oregon State. Very historic rivalry here. Bill, who you got? Uh, I went back and forth on this one. I originally had Oregon State down, but it comes down to the quarterback's quarterback play for me i like michael Penix jr a lot more here so i flipped my pick over to washington caleb who you got yeah washington up and down season crushed michigan state early on we thought michigan state was good turns out they weren't so maybe washington was a little overrated but i'll take washington huskies at home in this one continue their pretty big domination of the beavers i like it all right up next, this game I'm really excited for. It's going to be a good matchup between two teams that are pretty close to each other. We got Appalachian State as a one-and-a-half-point favorite at Coastal Carolina. This is a Thursday night game. App State is 7-1 and one versus Coastal Carolina all-time. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, the lone victory was in Coastal Carolina's magical 2020 season with Grayson McCall leading them to a great uh, campaign that year. Again, I've said it before, Thursday night games at home, I think it's just really tough for the road team. Appalachian State, not quite as good this year as they have been in years past. 
Still a very good team, obviously, though. That's why they're favored in this one. But I will take Coastal Carolina. Bill, who you got? Yeah, you know, the Thursday night thing originally had me thinking Coastal Carolina. But then I was like, oh, they aren't too, too far from each other. So we'll see how that goes. App State had that big upset against Tamu and played a few other, you know, Texas A&M and um, yeah, North Carolina played, was the close game. Yeah. And I was going to say UNC was close. They've blown out some other opponents. So uh, I went with App State in this matchup. Should be a good game either way. Yep. Next up, Big 12 battle, West Virginia at Iowa State. Iowa State, seven-point home favorite. Both teams are 3-5, and five, so loser of this one would need to win out to make a bowl game. Very important game for these two teams. Phil, who you got? Yeah, you know, Caleb, as I was looking through the slate of college games, I was like, there's just so many really good games this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I added I added these next couple in here. Uh, this should be a fun one. I... Iowa State's a seven-point favorite, but I just don't see it. I, I see West Virginia. They've got the better quarterback. They've got a good running back in Donaldson, who I would expect to run all over Iowa State, who doesn't seem to be putting together things as well as Matt Campbell would like. So give me the Mountaineers. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I feel like West Virginia is in every game that they play this year. They just can't seem to finish off some of these ones. So against a struggling Iowa State team, I think West Virginia can pull it off. Mm-hmm. Next game, we got number 20, Syracuse at Pitt. Pitt is a three-point home favorite. Syracuse is on a two-game losing streak after starting the season 6-0. and Caleb, who you got? Yeah, I went back and forth on this one. The running back for mm-hmm. Pitt, who I can't pronounce his last name, is having a phenomenal year leading the nation in touchdowns. He had like a 300-yard game earlier this year. But um, I think Syracuse rebounds on this one. I don't think... I think they'll get off to a better start than they did against Notre Dame and be able to hold off Pitt in a close one. Phil, who you got? Yeah, like you said, going back and forth, I initially put down Pitt. I was talking to one of my buddies uh, that I work with, and you know, he pointed out how unless West Virginia is playing at Heinz Field, then Heinz Field is not a great home environment for Pitt. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a good point. So they don't really necessarily have that advantage. Slovis is, eh. I just don't see enough in Pitt to be able to compete with where Syracuse has been. Syracuse has a big loss in the defensive backfield and, and two games down. So their momentum, you know, they could they could use a little jump start. And I think they're going to get that this weekend whenever they take care of business against Pitt. So give me the orange. Finally, number 15, Penn State, 13-point favorite at Indiana. Phil, who you got? This is going to be a good game for us. I expect us to win this game. I expect us to win it clearly. We cover the spread. I'm thinking we're going to see a lot more offense in this one. If we, we will either see, and I'm going to call my shot right now, we're going to see a big run cracked by either Singleton or Allen. Or both. Or, yeah, or both. But at least one of those guys. And I'd expect Parker Washington, you know, he's not going to have his 179 yard game. But he's going to have a big game too. I think Yurcich is is starting to understand the strengths of this offense. <clears throat> excuse me, and is going to use those strengths to win. So give me Penn State thirty one thirteen. Caleb, who you got? Yeah, um, I'm struggling a little bit here just because we. I know we played wicked well against Minnesota, but that was a whiteout game at home, hostile conditions. So we were able to. Take our first loss against Michigan, play well, rebound well after that one, but now a second loss. Playoff hopes are over. But like we've said, New York's six hopes are still there. 
So mm-hmm. I think you know, we still, I feel we don't quite have the grudge we did last year against Indiana. So I don't know if that's quite going to be there. I'll take Penn State in a close one, 24-13. And I'll say Aller Sparks, the second half, you know, kind of pull away victory here for Penn State. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> well, hey, folks, we really appreciate you tuning into the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. You know, we're just a couple buddies who really enjoy talking about college football. So rather than bothering our wives, we decide we're going to talk to each other about it. And so if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. That way you get notified anytime a new podcast comes out. Also, be sure to connect with us on Twitter at CPFE Podcast. Caleb, any final words of wisdom before we sign off? Go Penn State and go vote. We are. Go vote.